because I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a DSO, it, it does um, tend to be more career oriented and the people that I am able to lead and I'm able to teach about these metrics and I'm able to teach about how to really impact a patient's experience and impact their care. And for me, growth is seeing, seeing the growth in the others, in others that are on my team. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to another episode of Growth in Dentistry. I'm Katie Polson, and you are here listening for the, to the first episode of our DSO-specific episodes on the Growth in Dentistry podcast. We're so excited to be able to release these episodes. We have a lot of people that listen to the show that either are part of a DSO, that own a DSO, or maybe they're interested in becoming part of a DSO, or they're, like we said in our pre-show today, there's a lot that can be learned from larger corporations and how they do it. And if you're a private practice, a single practice owner, there's a lot to be learned. So whether you're in the DSO space or you're not, we hope that you continue to listen. It's going to be a really great show. And um, in the future, just so you know, these episodes will be released once a month. We're going to do that for a while. And if it goes great, we'll, we'll ramp it up maybe, but uh, we're excited to just to kick it off um, the very beginning. But before we get started, I wanted to invite those of you that are, if Facebook is like your jam, if you like to live on Facebook, um, we have a great Facebook dental intelligence podcast community. Um, please join us there and come like, enjoy like-minded data nerds. We like to come learn from one another. That's really what we really are. Um, if you are a current or um, active listener, please go and rate review this podcast. It means so much to us. It helps us expand our reach to those, to those other great dental people that, that want to learn from, um, people in the industry and uh, dental practices who are, who are doing great things with data. Um, our current customers, if you haven't had an opportunity to go into your analytics tool, there's a place called a uh, DI community. That's a great space for you guys to talk to one another about how to implement data, or you can talk about I don't know. I don't go complain about your office matter. I don't know what you want to do, but you can go use it. And it's really, it's super, super fun. Um, and the podcast, and then also for those of you that are current, aren't current customers and want to be one, um, we're giving a specific, uh, $50 gift card when you complete a demo for listeners to the show. So you can go to get.dentalintel.com forward slash podcast. And that link will be in our show notes. So that being said, we are, um, Again, this specifically um, with this DSO specific episodes, I'm just excited to pick their brain because really, I'm, well, those of you that have listened to the show, I'm a hygienist in a private practice. That's all I've known. My dad is a dentist. My brother's a dentist. So like this world is not one that I know of. So I'm excited to just be a fly on the wall. And I'm going to introduce to you. I'm going to have a co-host every time the same. She's lovely and she's dear. And I'm so excited to be able to call her my friend now. And she works with me here at Dental Intelligence as the director of business development. Jessica, introduce yourself. So glad to have you on the show with me. Hey, thanks, Katie, for the awesome introduction. I am Jessica Lamers, and uh, like she said, I'm business development uh, director here at Business uh, <laughs> Dental yeah. Intel. But um, I've been in the DSO space for 10 years, uh, but I have worked from dental assistant all the way up into ops. And so I wanted to, you know, create a space with Katie uh, that we could talk to other DSO um, 
I don't know, members, uh, leaders, it could be anybody. We just wanted to pick their brain about different topics to help others grow. Um, as we, as we said, we just want to help others out, um, and give them a space to talk, to share what they know, to share with others. I have Teresa Williams here, the COO of Dental Express. I'd like to call her my friend because I've met her quite a few times. We have some mutual friends in the space. Um, and she is a recent recipient of the Women in DSO Leadership Award. So congrats on I that I did not award. know that. That's cool. Wow. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. So, um, so great to be here. Um, again, my name is Teresa Williams. I am the COO at Dental Express in Southern California. And um, as Jessica shared, we, we did get to know each other through mutual friends. I'm originally from the great state of Oklahoma and got my start there in um, several different DSO environments in the Midwest and made the migration about eight years ago to Southern California. Oh, that's a big change for you. Are Absolutely. you liking it? I am. I am. The um, the sunshine's pretty great being near the water. Um, you know, it was a, I was a little nervous at first whenever I moved from the Midwest to the West Coast. What was it going to be like? And I found that you know people are people, and patients want the same things from you out here. You know, they they want to be seen, they want to be treated with respect and kindness, and they want you to be efficient with their time and with their money. Mm. And um, so that was a really great thing to learn about the people in San Diego, that they're not so different from the people in the rest of the country. How do I get a job where I can move to San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. You know. That's awesome. Oh, good for you. All right. I'll get out of the way. Let's get into the topic. Let's do yeah. this. So our topic today is um, essentially we're just wanting to, what do you do during downtime? How do you optimize it? And D Teresa, I know you have 25 plus years of experience in this space. And so I thought, who better to pick their brain on this topic than you? So um, it's an interesting question, Jessica, especially when you couch it, are we talking, you know, about downtime? So we have downtime in a DSO, which can be different than downtime in a dental practice. And I think one thing we can all agree on is what do we do with our downtime in the practices? Um, you know, we went through something pretty significant as an industry in the last couple of years where we didn't have our, our normal seasonal downtime. We had with downtime thrust upon us where we were literally not caring for patients. And how do, how do you respond to that? And um, even keeping yourself in that growth mindset and, and productive. And in a DSO, and I would say even in a private practice, codifying your SOPs, your standard operating procedures, um, what's the intellectual property or the thing that makes your practice special or that makes your DSO special? Um, you'll often have that person in your in your practice or in your company that they'll say, oh, go ask Jessica. She knows everything. She's been here forever. And that's how we teach people. And that can be problematic, you know, if Jessica's not there that day on your first day or Jessica's not available or maybe Jessica's overwhelmed and she has too many people that she's caring for and teaching at the same time. And so taking advantage in that downtime to really start to write down how your practice should function. What is the correct way to schedule an appointment? What is the correct way to interpret our analytics? Do we like our new patients to be 100 or 200 per month? Or do we think that's too many for one doctor? What, where's that sweet spot? Start to codify that so everyone is marching in the same direction and they see numbers the same way. Um, and so in a DSO, I would say, and a practice, Kind of codifying what that looks looks like um on our specific practice side 
when we have downtime, we are focusing on our care per visit. And we tend not to call it production per visit in our, in our business because, you know, that gets overheard, it gets seen. You got, so we really talk about as it in terms of care per visit. Um, we've often found that additional openings in our schedules present more opportunities than an overbooked schedule. You know, um, you know, having hygiene be, you know, four or five columns deep on one doctor, they're not getting a lot of time to do same day, same day care or to really help those patients out. They're, they're doing a lot of what I call um, shaking hands and kissing babies. You know, they're getting the exams done if they can, but it's, it's really challenging to actually be able to deliver on the care. And so keeping that balance, um, whether it's thrust on you, you know, because it was slow or you had downtime or whether you've intentionally created the, that space to improve your care for a visit. Um, because, you know, you just can't turn the heat up and do more care if there's too many people in the building. And so watching that balance is very important um, in your downtime and you're, you you know, we found in COVID when we were doing emergency care only, we were even more productive, which we weren't expecting to see that, you know, because if all of your patients needed root canals or needed extractions or surgery, um, we were a lot more productive in that time. And so that taught us something about leaving space for that, you know, because our practices have such a great retention rate and a great reappointment rate. We didn't have a lot of space to respond to emergencies like we needed to. I, that is something that I want to point out that you're not alone in seeing that. Mm -hmm. That was, I've, we've talked to many, many practices. Mm -hmm. I've had an opportunity to talk to, you know, top 10% of our, of our practices that use our data and these deep Mm -hmm. dive episodes that we're doing. And many of them have said that they, their production per visit went up. I, we Mm -hmm. actually just did a podcast with it, with a, with a doctor, um, last week that it totally changed the way he practices. Like Mm -hmm. he doesn't even like he doesn't, he has, he went from down to two hygienists down to one now. I mean, he's just like mm-hmm. a tiny little office, but he's like, he's like, I love my life even more now. Like I do more dentistry and I mm-hmm. like when they're there and I take more time off. So, yeah. Yeah. and it was not something we were expecting to see at yeah. all. And um, in our de novo practices, so de novo practice for those of you that are not DSO people yeah. is a practice that you open from nothing. You build it and they will come. You have no patience. And so in a de novo practice, when you open the doors, caring for every single patient with everything that they need, it's, I mean, you're all there. You've got a whole team, five or six people ready to serve that one patient because you don't have a recall yet. And so we see in our de novo practices, these very, very high care per visit numbers. And, and so watching as the recall builds, watching that number kind of normalize and come in line with the rest of the practices, um, you've kind of got to balance that. Is that doctor really providing a lot of care per visit in a normal circumstance, or is it a de novo situation? Mm. I think uh, some words that you've kind of played on, uh, Teresa, is care, care, mm-hmm. care. And I love that, like patient per care, you know, like, and um, you're very intentional, it seems like, with what you provide to your patients and and how you're speaking that to your patients. So I think that that means a lot in, in the space where, you know, I think we've all talked about DSOs feeling like they're corporate, and it feels mm-hmm. icky. Um, but I think the more that we put in that we actually care and it's not an icky word, but we can make the space feel uh, positive to our patients and, and providing um, the best possible care possible. Well, we're in such a great industry, you know, d- dental care, um, you know, most, most dental insurances are going to cover most of your preventative care, quite a bit of the basic. And um, it's really about making those opportunities to to deliver the care to the patients. 
you know, it's, it's not exciting to go to the dentist. I mean, I'd much rather go get my nails done. That's a little <laughs> bit more fun and feels a little bit more rewarding, but you know, if we provide those opportunities and we make it easy, you know, where we've got appointments on the weekends or in the evenings when that's possible and making it easier on them and thinking, thinking about what they want. Do they want online booking? You know, do they, I mean, do they really want to call and be on hold and talk to me or, you know, wait, Jessica's not here. She's the only one that can schedule appointments today. Um, so, <laughs> so making <laughs> it awful. easier for them to be in the driver's seat. Um, you know, I think they come primed for this is going to be easy to get care. And you know what, you take my insurance, they're going to take care of it. You know, this, this is going to be a piece of cake. Well, I want to bring us to our next question here. So in the event of a recession, what is on your mind? I feel like we kind of felt something like that little bit with COVID. So mm -hmm. I think you're, you're, you've created some really good, good go-tos and I'd love to hear about that. So what, what's on my mind and what I'm watching for my metrics in my practices is looking at my payer mix and making sure it's very diverse. In a practice that's too heavily dependent on fee-for-service or 100% patient, financed, um, you can see a pullback, you know, pay people get a little bit more careful about how they're spending their money. They're going to be more need-based, more insurance driven. Um, so I like to see a, a good diverse mix, you know, of your traditional PPO, fee for PPO insurance, a good fee for service population, you know, how many of our, my patients are cash paying, um, you know, and, and what types of tools are we going to use to respond to them and, and more creative and flexible patient finance options? Are we doing some subprime lending? What are we doing in there to help respond to what the patient needs and concerns are? Um, you know, watching these, um, but we're also watching the visits and care per visit, like we said. So if I see that number start to decline, I'm probably going to focus on relationships, um, you know, that, that inverse there, if I have lower visits, I should have a patient, higher patient care per visit. We talked about that. Um, but if my care per visits down, I'm going to need to make sure I'm seeing more patients. Um, are we being empathetic to our patients that are experiencing economic stressors? Yeah. Dentistry is one of those industries that's considered to be somewhat recession proof, you know, that pain and infection are going to present. People are going to need to do something about it. It's not going to go away. We know it doesn't fix itself. And so because we're in one of those types of industries, we don't want to become, um, we don't want to be considered non-empathetic to our patients that are experiencing something different. You know, if they've gone through layoffs in their company, they, they're, they're bringing all this with them outside of, and they're worried that it's going to be expensive. They're worried about how you're going to feel about they didn't get their teeth clean last year when they didn't have a job. You know, and so making sure that we're really responsive to what they're going on and what's going on in their lives. We saw that during COVID when people were afraid of COVID and they were, you know, afraid for, afraid for the economy then. Um, just kind of reminding them, hey, we're in this with you. We're, we're here with you and we've got more creative financial options and we're going to pivot our marketing. Maybe we're not going to target cosmetic and whitening and where marketing is going to become more target, targeted to responding to your pain or responding to your financial concerns. And, and, you know, just because that's what's going to be on people's mind, it may not be full mouth reconstruction that day, you know, but yes, you can still take care of yourself and we're here for you. I think you brought up, brought up a great point. Um, when I asked about recession is like being mindful of PPO versus fee for service, because mm -hmm. one of the biggest things you're going to see with the recession is what you read about is going to be people not utilizing dental insurance anymore. Mm -hmm. And so then they're going to be you know, educated on how 
much dentistry can be without that. You know, mm-hmm. again, it is a discount. It's it's not mm-hmm. necessarily a medical where you meet your deductible and it pays for everything afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I think people know an idea of that, but they don't know the true um, dollar that comes down to just even getting a cleaning. Like it can well, be it- easily $300 if you don't mm-hmm. have insurance. And to that point, Jessica, having an in-house like payment plan or in-house um, payment, you know, discount plan available for your patients, you know, can be a huge relief. You know, maybe, th- maybe they've made the decision to leave their job and try, maybe I'm going to, I'm going to try to open my own in-home bakery, but now I don't have insurance. Um, you know, in your marketing materials, putting that out there, Hey, we've got, we've got in-house discount plan. If, if you don't have insurance, you're still going to be able to go to the dentist and you're going to be able to afford it. Um, that's, People need to hear that message. And we often don't deliver that message until the patient is in the office. Mm. We're like, oh yeah, when they get here, we're going to tell them all about how great we are. Well, we're missing the mark through social media. We could be telling people, you know, responding to the noise that's out there. I mean, the economist is on every single morning talking about what is the Fed going to do? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) wouldn't it be great if my social turnaround told me I could still go to the dentist no matter what they're doing? It's going to be okay. I love as from just from being somebody in marketing, I love that you brought that up, that idea of pivoting. Like, what are you going to do as in a dental practice? Like you might really like your bread and butter and what you want to do all day is like six, like full cosmetic restorations. That might be like what you want to do, but maybe having a contingency plan of like, this Mm -hmm. is our marketing strategy in the event hopefully cross our fingers that we are in a full-blown capital R recession, right? Like this Mm -hmm. is what we're going to do. This is what the messaging is going to say. And this is how much ad spend we're going to put towards it, right? Mm -hmm. Like to have that plan in place would Mm -hmm. probably give them such, so much peace of mind. I love that idea. It's such a good one. Yeah. I I think you really do have to pivot to what people want because the way that even, even in your, um, your organic searches, you know, if they're not looking for it, it doesn't matter what you're spending on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. you need to look at what, what do people really want? And what are they looking for? They're looking to be reassured that they, that they can still afford their lifestyle. So and, like what metrics are you considering a red herring to get you to that point of like, okay, now we got to pivot and, and mm-hmm. make this plan happen. So when I see my care per visit, like start, when I see, if I see my number of visits falling, I'm looking to what can I do to imp- improve that care per visit? You know, what's possible? Um, you know, and, and sometimes it, it balances itself because there's time, there's more time so you can do more care. You know, so it, like we said, when we had less patients, we were doing, mm-hmm. we were doing more. Um, it does take care of itself in some way, but it's, it's getting the mindset of the clinician in that right place that you don't have to run full tilt all the time. Sometimes you're running full tilt to support the people that are in your practice, that your relationship, you know, and in that, in that same vein, when we're not in a recession, when things are booming, don't just lend, lean, lean on your success. Think about, could it be better? Do I not need, do I need another doctor here? Mm-hmm. You know, are we just, are we running around to be running around? You yeah. know, could we be providing more care per visit to the people that are here? It, it shows itself more when, when things slow down, you know, you start to see opportunities for when it picks back up. Yes. And I think you also see who's like on your team and Mm -hmm. those times, right? Um, So if you would think of a recession, is there a place or an area in the business that would take like the back burner um, that you foresee? I would expect we'll probably um, 
you know, as far as the whitening, like I said, the, the, um, the cosmetic cases, um, we're still seeing a fair amount of aligner business happening, even in the recession, they're looking for more affordable options for aligners. Mm-hmm. And so I think in our practices, we're going to see more people getting to know, um, companies outside of the household name. And I'm not, I'm not going to mention these here, <laughs> yeah, right. but there's so many players entering the marketplace. Um, I think that's going to become a very, very competitive space because practices, they're going to have to pull back on what we're charging for cases. You know, you're, you're not going to see six to $8,000 for an aligner case, you mm-hmm. know, during the recession. I mean, you might, you might get to do a whole lot less of them, but what if you got to do more of them and if you were able to make it more affordable for people? And so I think, I think it's um, placing value on your services or what do they command in the marketplace, you know, and knowing the patients look at them as a commodity, you know, so I think it's changing our own mindset, you know, into being able to do the kind of care we want to do. And, and Teresa, just like from my understanding, and maybe you can put some a light on this and your years of experience. Um, but in the industry, we, we price these things out based on the time that you're in our chair. Um, so it's, it's not because the, the, the task is any less daunting. It, mm-hmm. It's like, how are you going to pivot also the amount of time you're giving to this, this well, procedure? And, and I would say when you're lucky, you get to price it out that way. And, and a lot of times it's priced out, you know, by, by your insurance participation, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, they've got some interesting algorithms, whether we agree with them or not. That was a nice way to say it. They can have some interesting algorithms on how they arrive at, at their pricing. Um, you know, the pricing is going to be what the market will command. And so if you can be more efficient with scanning technologies and the remote monitoring where you're spending less chair time, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to be able to, um, I think, accept less, maybe see more, get to see more cases like that, get more case acceptance. Um, but it's going to be leveraging the techno- te- technology tools to save yourself the chair time and the employee expense of having to actually see the patient as often. Yeah, I agree. Well, Katie, I think this brings us to our last question that you well, usually like to ask. I, I will, but I, but first of all, like guys, I'm real excited about this series. <laughs> I I'm just sitting here thinking, I thought I knew dentistry, but the men, the business of dentistry, but I don't know if I do or not. I mean, I even learned a new word for a new startup practice today. So I hope everybody else did. Um, but, but the thing that I want to point out, and it's one of the, in the metrics that we that I think it's overlooked because we're so used to talking about production as a whole or collections percentage. And like, and in most dental practices, they really are just looking about like, what does it look like after all of a sudden done, how much am I making? But I love that you focused on what we call production per visit or care per visit. Like that is what you, that's like what you look at for the health of mm-hmm. your practice that is really eye-opening to me. And I, I'm like, I, I've, I've seen, I've seen the value in that metric before, but mm-hmm. I, I will look at it differently after today. So, yes. Because yeah. if you, if you find that it's plummeting, you may be seeing too many patients and that's why your costs are up through the roof. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that um, more is not always better. So, so smart. I love mm-hmm. it. Well, Teresa, we asked this question of everyone that go, comes on the show and that's because growth means so much to so many. So something to different. Hello guys. It means something different to everyone. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that was kind of mess ups. I'm not even going to edit out. I'm just not. 
because what's the point? Um, <laughs> but what does growth in dentistry mean to you? I'm so excited to hear these questions, these answers from these DSO specific people. So we, we are in the service industry, whether you're in a private practice like yourself, Katie, or in a DSO like myself, um, growth in dentistry, because I'm, I'm a, I'm in a DSO, it, it does, um, tend to be more career oriented and the people that I am able to lead and I'm able to teach about these metrics and I'm able to teach about how to really impact a patient's experience and impact their care. And for me, growth is seeing, seeing the growth in the others in others that are on my team. And, and that that's huge for me. And that's something that gets me excited and gets me up in the morning. Um, you know, seeing the, the success on your team and seeing what they experience. It's awesome. That just tells you a lot about Teresa right there that yeah. she, it's it's not about her. It's about others that are around her. And I love yeah. that. Yeah, that, I can tell. She seems like such a nice, neat soul. <laughs> Teresa, thank you so much for coming on the show. If Absolutely. people want to pick your brain more, reach out to you, where can they reach you at? So LinkedIn's probably the best place Perfect. to find me. You're, okay. you're welcome to link my, my LinkedIn in the bio or in, in the I, post. I will. Yep. Um, sure. that, that's, um, I answer most of my messages unless you're trying to extend my car warranty. Yeah. I'll probably yeah. get back to you. <laughs> that's fair. That's very fair. Oh, LinkedIn. Okay. <laughs> I will add that for sure. Okay. Well, this has been Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. Again, special thanks to our guests, Teresa and Jessica. This is going to be fun. I'm excited to continue this on. Thank you to our marketing department, specifically Kat, for all of their work on this podcast. I'm Katie Polson. Keep growing.